welcome to the Pridopod, where our mission is to improve the productivity and profitability of the construction industry. Our mantra is safer, faster, smarter, easier, and our measure of success is making a positive impact on your business, wherever you're listening from. My name's Adam, and part of my job at Prida is to look over the horizon and help our customers and their customers achieve long-term success. I don't have a crystal ball, but I do have access to some of the industry's most respected experts in fabrication, building, design, and the cutting edge of research. I hope you enjoy these opportunities to step back from the day-to-day and explore the topics that will shape the future of building. On today's episode, I'm joined by Nikki Woodward, who's going to pull back the curtain on Prida's software development processes and take us through the inner workings of how great ideas become great features, as well as how we iron out any bugs. Nikki worked as a detailer before joining Prida, and she has been with us for over 16 years, with roles in software support, software testing, and business development. Her combined knowledge of detailing, trust plan operations, and the software that drives them is unparalleled in our business. So when a software product owner role for Pride Build Designer became available in 2021, she was the obvious choice. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Nikki and the opportunities it presents to continue working together to deliver the best possible software solution to Prida customers. So welcome, Nikki Woodward, to the Prida Pod. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. So as we're recording this, you're a little over six months into the role and I think 2022 is kind of a year where we've had a few things that are different at Prida, including a podcast, which you know no one saw that one coming. But you've been part of the business and involved in a lot of aspects of Frame and Trust for a number of years. So maybe could you start by explaining exactly what is your role now and what's that journey been like to this current role that you're doing? Yeah, sure. So um, my role now is the official title is product owner design. So basically that means I'm in charge of looking after what our designer software um, looks like. Uh, So I suppose over my journey uh, in Trust and Frame, which which started back in 1996, so a very long time ago, um, and as a back, uh, my background is a, a detailer. Um, I've had a lot to do with the design software, so that's really been my main focus point in all the roles I've had. So, coming into this role, as you mentioned, this year um, has has really given me um, some some great advantages in the sense that. Uh, I understand the end user, I understand their needs and their wants, I understand their pain points. Um, so I, I can certainly relate to them when they're, when they're talking to me about things that are working, things that aren't working, and also future development as well. Um, I think too, having had a bit of a background with software testing as well, because that was one of my roles while I've been at Prida, um, I also have a really good understanding on on how the development side of it works as well. So I can really um, understand how the developers are, are thinking and feeling when you've got a, an end user that says, oh, can you add this button to, to the dashboard for me? Um, and I can sort of try and articulate what that might mean back in, in development world. Yeah, so you're really, I suppose, sitting in engaging with a number of stakeholders whose, sits, whose seats that you sat in in the past and then kind of bringing all of that together into a, a program of development. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's quite exciting because it's, 
I see things evolve and things that are developing that, you know, 10, 15 years ago were, were areas where that I used to get frustrated in and I used to think, wow, it would be great to see this area develop. So it is a really exciting journey along along the years that I've been involved and to actually be sort of sitting in the seat now where I can steer some of that direction is is really exciting for me. Yeah, and I mean, I suppose touching on that history that the software has, obviously, it is a very complex piece of software. There are decades of software development history that have gone into it and a lot of progress over that time and, and different things that we've tried and, and built in. So what's that like coming in as the owner of a product like that? How do you come in and take ownership of you know that entire history and also stewarding that into what it's going to be in the future? Um, I think one of the key things for me is is working with a team and and not just a team internally. It's it's the team external as well. So our customers, our our suppliers, our um, you know our engineering team, our development team, having everyone sort of collaborate together and listening to what those needs and wants are um, is really important. Um, we work in in an agile framework, which is which is really exciting as well, because that means we can we can chunk things down and we can do bits at a time, and then we can sort of get some perspective on are we on the right path, are we not on the right path, so we can easily very and very quickly change direction. and And I think having, like I said, you know, being involved in in Trust and Frame since nineteen ninety six, I've seen so much evolve over those years that I can I can certainly see different pathways and different directions that that the software is headed in, um, and and really understand and articulate where it where it's where it's come from, where it currently is, and and hopefully too where where it's going long term into the future with the help of other people as well. Yes, that's a nice point to touch on. Actually, I suppose is that long-term future and how do you balance these different hats that you wear obviously on one side you've got the day-to-day user who might be providing feedback on you know there's little things there's little annoyances or things that they'd like to see changed and then you're also thinking big picture and long term and what are the the really major features and changes that we need to bring in that are going to take time so how do you collect that those different styles of feedback and then how do you balance that out and, and prioritise what the software is going to develop like over, you know, the coming months and years? Yeah, sure. Um, I suppose one of the, the the biggest things around product ownership is and the important things around it is having a roadmap. Um, it, it's it's a tool that, that I didn't really understand when I first started hearing about Agile and things like that and product owner, ownership and that, but the roadmap is really important and really key to the success of what you're doing. Um, what that allows us to do is by setting out a, a plan, a, a roadmap of, of the bodies of work we want to look at, it allows us to understand what the larger chunks of work or the larger new features or, or um, engineering enhancements, whatever that, that large package might be, it allows us to put them into um, a bit of a plan that because we know they're going to take time. We know we're going to need to spend a bit of resource on that to, to plan it out, to scope it out, to do some testing, um, things like that. But in the meantime, also have, I suppose, little little areas within that roadmap that we know we can deal with the, the, the what, what I refer to as the business as usual, which are those those 
key things coming in from our customers that are annoying them or, or uh, are causing them um, disruption in a day-to-day environment. So, um, you know, if we can get some of that low-hanging fruit, those really quick fixes and, and pop them in um, while we're working on those larger packages and planning them out, it, it, it really allows us to, to move forward and, and understand and have a vision of where we're going. Yeah, so when you're laying out a roadmap like that, is it is there sort of a need, I suppose, to take in account of the fact that there are going to be things that we're going to need to do? We don't know what they are yet because they haven't happened or the customer hasn't told us that yet, but we know that it's just the nature of the beast. Like you said, business as usual, that we've got a number of users using the software day in, day out. Uh, they're going to find things. They're going to have recommendations or suggestions or asks of us, and we don't know what they are, but we know we're going to have to do them. So is that something that you have to kind of plan ahead and and feature in the roadmap? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's things like, um, yeah, when, when I think of larger bodies of work, they are generally derived because um, we're either lacking something in the software or that, that particular feature exists in the software, but it may have, based on technology, may have, you know, be reaching its end of life. So we need to look at the technology that drives that particular function and, and look forward to the future on what are the technologies looking like over the next 12 months, five years, 10 years, and how do we make sure and, and ensure that our software um, is capable and, of handling um, that, that functionality moving forward. Um, we also don't know, like you said, what we don't know. So um, there's a huge reliance on, on insights work that are done, getting around talking to people, understanding new product that's coming to the market, um, talking to customers. A lot of our customers have great vision on where they want to be in their next two, three, five, ten year plan. So understanding where their business needs to be and then looking back and saying, well, are we in a position to actually support that? Does our software, does our equipment, whatever the offer that we we can we can do, um, does it support what that long-term um goal is and and if not how do we plan and start looking at at what what is required to implement that change yeah yeah and so i suppose if as you're thinking about that process maybe you can take us somewhere that probably a lot of customers haven't seen which is a bit of a peek behind the curtain at what goes on let's say that they have a big idea for the software or just a small change that they want to improve what happens next to that idea how is that communicated in to you and then how does that find its way into the team and onto the roadmap and I, I eventually into a, a finished feature in the software? Um, the, the process, whether it's small or large, is, is actually very similar. So we, we certainly we have, we have some, some rules that we, we stick to when we're, we're scoping out work, when we're understanding what the work is. But initially, like you said, it's, a, it's an idea that comes in, whether that's an external idea from a customer, an internal idea. Um, the first thing is obviously let's talk about it. Um, we, we don't know it if it's stuck in someone's brain, so let's get it out. Let us know about it. So that's talking to the sales team, talking to the software support team, the product team might come through from engineering. It might be something that the engineering team have heard. Um, it's getting that idea out there, and then then what we would tend to do is 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 get a group of what I refer to as experts, and that doesn't necessarily mean an expert in that particular feature or or change that is being asked for, but it's just a group of people that have got some knowledge of the industry into a room to start to brainstorm what that that 
new button, that new feature might look like so that we can start to really put some ideas down on a, on a whiteboard and, and scope, start to scope things out because um, everybody has, you know, comes at it from a different angle. So you, you think you, you, you might think you're on the right track and then someone throws a curveball and you go, oh, wow, I hadn't thought about that. Um, and, and everyone does it differently. You know, there's every, every plant has different equipment, um, different, different layouts. They, they, their demographic is different. So there's so many different things we need to take into consideration when we're, when we're planning something out. So the first stage is really just a, a huge brainstorming session and taking notes down. And then you start to look at the commonalities there and, and I suppose our 80s of, of what, what, have, what has been noted down and and then have, start to prototype. The developers would be involved, and they they'd start to put some prototypes together. And then they may hit a point where they need a bit of extra information. So, it's really a I suppose communication is probably the key. Um, it's about having the right people involved, um, asking as many questions as never a silly question because it might just be something we haven't thought about, scoping it out. Getting getting a, a a stage done. Everything is done in, in in smaller chunks so that we can very quickly look at look at the stage we've just completed and say, are we heading in the right direction? Do we need to change direction? Do we need to stop altogether? Have we completely missed the mark? And do we need to refocus and regroup and see where we need to head? So um, there is certainly a, a very much a staged approach. And then obviously once it really gets into the development side of things, um, you really start to prototype back to the customer base on, on what we're doing, what we're looking like. Um, it, uh, you know, ha have we hit the mark and, and, and constantly getting that feedback so that we, we know whether we're, we're on the right track or not. And I think um, it's this is probably a new approach where we haven't really done a huge amount of this in the past and, and the last few major features that we've put out in our software, we really have had that, that huge involvement um, and feedback and going backwards and forwards between the, the parties on, on what we're working on. Um, and, and touch wood to date, it's uh, that the features that we've released have been a success. Yeah, that's great. And I guess, so that's, you know, it's a really good look behind the scenes that the process that an idea goes through to, to get into development. I imagine that those ideas must come at you from all sorts of different sources and different formats, whether it's conversations or emails or text messages or Teams chats or whatever it might be. How do you get that into a you know a single source of truth? Is like okay, this is my list of things I need to think about. Yeah. Um. So we have, if we if we focus initially, I suppose on the and the business as usual stuff. Our process there is is our our sales team are our our key point of contact because they're the ones that um are talking to our customers on a daily basis. Um, the sales and the software support team are the ones that are getting all of the um the feedback on things that aren't working or things that, you know, if, if only I could do this. And, and it's those sorts of things that we, we, we really like to get a, um, get in and get our teeth stuck into. So we have a process in, in the business as usual side of things where we're constantly asking our sales team for what are your top three asks from the market? So what are your customers asking you for? And then they, they, we have a, a system where we log tickets, they log those tickets and then they feed those tickets through to, to me as the product owner. 
Um, I keep a list of those tickets. I then discuss all of them with the, the development team. Uh, we go through them, we look at them, we identify what are what are our quick wins in there, what are things that that uh, are quick, easy fixes um, that the development team, when they're, you know, if they're if they're working on a large body of work and they and they um they, they've got you know, a half a day to spare and they can get in there and do a few of those quick little fixes. They get those done. And then we start to scope out some of the, the ideas that have come through that might be a, a little bit more challenging or a little bit more time consuming. We get a bit of a guide on how long and, and we try and keep the, the customer informed and engaged on, on that process. So um, that's really the business as usual day-to-day -day things. Um, with our larger bodies of work, uh, like at the moment, we're, we're in a big, big phase around our flooring and, and what we're doing with our flooring. And, and they're, they're, that's more a, a um, bit more of a structured process where we know for the next couple of years that, that the packages of work that we want to release because they're such big bodies of work. But we've done a lot of um, insights at the at the very beginning to understand what those pain points in the market are. So still still follows a very similar process, just some are larger packages than others. Right. So you've got this list of features in this ticketing system. Some of them are business as usual. Some of them are, are bigger things that are going to take time and, and are sort of parts of a bigger whole. So if we sort of stay behind the scenes and in the details just for a little bit longer, what, do, what does that then look like? How do you manage that list and tracking the progress of these various items through to closeout, uh, knowing, like you mentioned, that there is some agility and maybe you take advantage of time that you have or maybe you discover something new and something needs to get pushed back. So what does managing that process look like? Um, for the for the larger bodies of work, that that process is is pretty much mapped out in a, in a in a twelve month process. So I have a my roadmap for my larger um, new feature bodies of work or um, engineering compliance bodies of work, things like that. They're mapped out over a twelve month period. So we know when we're going to start working on them, and we know when we've got to deliver on them. So they're they're fi they're fairly clearly defined. Um, as far as the the issues that are coming in on a day-to-day -day basis, that business as usual work, um, we I I do a um, I, I monitor that basically daily. Um, so I'm keeping up. We have a, a system where all of that gets logged. So I'm constantly looking at that. I'm and I'm looking at that. Um, having a quick review of the tickets that are coming in. Um, we have a fortnightly team of people that get together then and we review those tickets on a fortnightly basis. So we there's a group of us that are constantly going over them and understanding them. And then on a weekly basis, I'm discussing those tickets also with the development team. So there's that, once again, it comes back to that communication phase um, and, and that constant ongoing of, of work that we're doing. Um, and then at the end of each quarter, I, I provide the sales team with a quarterly report on what we've been able to achieve, what we've been able to complete in the software and what version of software it's gone into. And also to the ones that aren't completed, at what stage they're at. Are they, are they in progress? Um, did we identify that they weren't actually an issue? Not everything that gets logged is a is a bug in the software. Some of it can be training and, and they're, they're really good ones to highlight because it, it either means we need to create some training around it or we need to point the customer in the right direction for some training and, and help them out that way. Um, and then you've got your items that aren't started yet because they may form part of a bigger package that we're working on or we may just, the size of them, we may just not be able to accommodate them right now, but they stay on that list and we constantly give feedback. 
And when you're managing that list, are there certain metrics and things that you're you're targeting and tracking and, and targets that you're trying to hit that you're measuring? Yeah, so the, the things I look at on my on my spreadsheet as such is, is completed work, work in progress, work not yet started, and things that weren't an issue. Um, so I've 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 basically got them sorted and ordered in and at whatever stage they're at. Um, and then at, at as I mentioned, at each quarter I give that report back to the sales team and I give them um, some some stats around where we're where we're at and, and how we're traveling with those. Um, with those, you know, those issues that have come in from the sales team, which ultimately have come in from the customer base. So, um, obviously, we're, we're we're into quarter three now, um, and I can report back that that for for quarter one, we were able to hit the mark with um, complete the, the work that came in, the total amount of work that came in um, over quarter one and quarter two, we were able to complete or have in progress 87% of those tickets, which is which is huge. Um, and of the of the rest that we were able to say where they were at, uh, you know, if they're not yet started, why have they not yet started and give an explanation on it. And, and as I mentioned, identify the ones that weren't actually issues so that we can still give that feedback back to the customer on, on um, what, whatever it is that they've put forward for fixing. Um, obviously, we're in the middle of, of Q3 at the moment, but I, I, I have had a quick look at those figures today. As I mentioned, I do look at it daily. Um, and so far, we're at a, a hit rate of, of completed work or, or work in progress of 70% of the tickets that have come in for Q3. So this is a, a relatively new process that we're doing at the moment. Um, I think it's probably fair to say uh, that we haven't really handled those business as usual tickets great in the past in the sense that we've that, that there hasn't been a real process in place to enable us to to really see where they're at and and I suppose over over the years we we've heard the oh there's no point reporting it because it's not going to get looked at anyway and that's something that I'm trying really hard to change it's a it's an area that I really want to see change in because as an ex-detailer myself I know it's those day-to-day -day annoying little things that that you know, just, just can make a huge change if you're having to do something over and over again because something doesn't work properly and, and we can tweak that and, and eliminate that for an end user. That, that's huge, even if it's just a couple of minutes here and there on a job over a week, that certainly adds up. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, uh, as a fabricator, if you're listening, this has given you a much better insight, I suppose, under the hood of the process and things that are happening. And Nikki, you sort of touched on there a little bit about what I wanted to close off on was, let's say I'm a fabricator, uh, I'm listening to a detail, I'm listening to this conversation. What are the actions that you would like you know, our customers to take to help you in your role to continue to develop and improve Pride to Build Designer, to identify those little issues and, and get them fixed and you know work them through that process that you've described today? Yeah, sure. Um, look, always keep that communication line with your, your sales team open. I mean, that's really important. For technical issues, so anything that is related to the designer software or your production software or anything that's got a technical nature to it, probably the best way is to go through our software support team. Um, they work very closely with me. They work very closely with the development team. So um, look, both avenues, sales and, and software support will get those issues through to us. Um, but yeah, ideally jump onto your, your software support team and um, let them know 
whether it's something that's not working correctly or even if it's a great idea that you've got because, uh, it, you know, we would love to have that as well because, like I said earlier, we we don't know everything and, and we do rely on on uh, our, our amazing fabricator base to, to give us some insights into what they need now and what they need into the future. Yeah, no, it's great. And I suppose you're also... Um yeah, balancing the, the feedback that you're getting from the likes of me and my team around some major changes that we've got coming up with things like national construction code changes and the need to maintain our compliance and, and documentation associated with those changes as well. And so obviously we're communicating all that detail to you as well. And uh, like we've talked about today, you, it's, uh, it's your job and we're grateful to have you there juggling those priorities and making sure that all that critical work gets done. Well, thank you very much. But yes, it is exciting. And I do love doing what I'm doing because I, it's very close to my heart. And, uh, and like I said, it's, if we can make a detailer, the detailer's life better, well, then and easier. Um, I think that's, that's a great step forward. So um, yeah, I shall keep doing what I'm doing, but I'm always open to improving. So yeah, certainly reach out if you need to. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Nikki, for taking time out of that your busy day away from that list of features that you're working on. Uh, thanks for giving us a little bit of a look behind the scenes and, and under the hood of the process of developing the software. I really appreciate all your time and insights today. Thank you very much for having me. That's all for today's Pridopod. Thanks for listening and thank you to Nikki for sharing her insights into Prida's software development process. Don't forget to check out the show notes to take a deeper dive for yourself or download some resources to share with your team. Join us again next time for a focus on hardwood and its importance to fabricators. The CEO of McCormack's Australia, Julia Hall, will be stopping by and you're not going to want to miss that one. If you enjoyed today's episode, we encourage you to share it with your friends and colleagues and make sure to subscribe via Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any ideas for future topics or just want to drop me a line, I'd love to hear from you. Find me on LinkedIn or email me at adawson at pridaanz.com. Thanks for listening.